Although little known today, the name of William Alexander Leidesdorf is actually enshrined on streets in San Francisco and in a town along the American River. He was also one of California's pioneers of African descent and was instrumental in bringing about the American annexation of California. Today, we're going to talk about this fascinating figure and his legacy. I'm Damian Basich. Welcome to California Frontier. So I first heard about or heard the name of William Alexander Leidesdorf as I was walking around the town of Folsom on the American River. And there's at least one street named after him. And the, and the name, unusual Scandinavian sounding name, really stands out. So I went back and did a little digging, a little bit of research and found out that he actually was a very important and influential figure in early California, and that uh, not a lot of people know about him. So today, we're going to learn a little bit more. Now, much of the information we have about his biography comes, of course, from Hubert Howe Bancroft, the 19th century historian who was responsible for the multi-volume History of California, and in it, Bancroft mentions Leidesdorf several times as a key contributor to the state's early history. Leidesdorf himself was born in 1810 in St. Croix in the Virgin Islands, which at the time were known as the Danish West Indies. His father was, in fact, a Danish sugar planter, a William Leidesdorf Sr., and his mother, Anna Marie Sparks, was a native woman of African descent. Now, we know very little about his early life growing up in the West Indies, but uh, according to Bancroft, at the age of 30 or 31, William made his way to Alta California. By that time, he was known as a very astute businessman, and thanks to his facility with multiple languages, he was liked and respected by both Mexicans and Anglo-Americans at the time. In 1844, he became a Mexican citizen, and in doing so, he also obtained a land grant, which he named Rancho Rio de los Americanos, and the grant was for approximately 35,000 acres along what is today the American River, as the name suggests near Sacramento. Uh, fun side fact, his rancho was adjacent to one owned by John Augustus Sutter, also extremely influential in the early history of California and its transfer from Mexico to the United States. Now, Leidesdorf was engaged in multiple business activities, including the hide and tallow trade, which was the basis of the rancho economy in California. But his business activities and his facility with languages also helped establish relationships with the local U.S. contingent. And beginning in 1845, he was asked to serve as the U.S. vice consul to Mexico. So he 
also received American citizenship. And the consul he was serving under was a man named Thomas Oliver Larkin, who had a great interest in bringing Alta California into the United States. Larkin saw Leidesdorf as an excellent ally in those efforts. Now, thanks to his business success, Leidesdorf also was tapped to become one of the main financiers of Captain John Fremont, who was leading a geographic expedition in the West, which eventually would form part of the U.S. Army in California and was very instrumental in supporting the Bear Flag Revolt, etc. Of course, after the war, Leidesdorf wrote to the U.S. government asking to be reimbursed for the money that he had laid out to help support Fremont and his volunteers. It's fascinating to read his correspondence with the U.S. government after the war, in fact, because in it, Leidesdorf gives an eloquent accounting of the money he spent aiding Fremont, but was unsuccessful in getting repaid for what he had spent. Nevertheless, as you read the letters, you see that his command and persuasiveness in English was second to none, and it wasn't even his native tongue. Now, of course, Leidesdorf was a visionary in various endeavors. He was big into transportation. He launched the first ever steamboat to operate on both the San Francisco Bay and the Sacramento River. He, in fact, purchased this 37-foot-long steamboat in Alaska and sailed it down to California. Just a huge demonstration of his own resourcefulness, uh, grit, and entrepreneurial spirit. As an entrepreneur, he also helped literally build San Francisco. He was one of the town's most prominent businessmen, but he was also a member of the city council, its treasurer, a member of the school committee, and he just generally took an active part in local politics during his life, which wound up being rather short. You have to remember that he did all these things in his 30s. He brought uh, entertainment to San Francisco. He staged the state's first horse race near Mission Dolores in 1847. And uh, he was very popular among the residents of the city. Now, in 1848, Leidesdorf contracted a deadly illness. Doctors at the time described it as brain fever. And for all we know today, it may have been meningitis, scarlet fever, typhus, or encephalitis, something that was affecting the brain. And on May 18th of 1848, he died. He was only 38 years old. His body is buried at Mission San Francisco de Assis, which is Mission Dolores in San Francisco. And had he lived longer, who knows what else he might have accomplished. But that's not the end of the story. As a wealthy man, his estate, his legacy became also an important part of California history. Now, in addition to his wealth... Leidesdorf also left behind many debts. 
And many of those were the result of his having financed ventures like Fremont's expeditions. According to author Sue Bailey Thurman, at the time of his death, Leidesdorf's property was saddled with $50,000 in debts. And in today's money, that's almost $2 million, the equivalent of. Now, the discovery of gold in 1848, the very same year that Leidesdorf died, increased his property value immensely. Soon, his estate was worth nearly a million dollars in um, 19th century dollars, in 1848 dollars, which is approximately 37.5 million in today's accounting. Unfortunately, however, he was never able to enjoy it. Now, you can imagine after his passing, his estate attracted a great deal of attention. And one of those most interested was a U.S. Army infantry captain named Joseph Libby Folsom, hence the name of the town. Folsom saw California as a place of massive potential. He had written at one point, any person who could come in here now with ready cash would be certain of doubling his money in a few months. Large fortunes will be made here within the ensuing year, unquote. Now, Folsom was the type of guy who was willing to make risky bets on that potential. And for him, Leidesdorf's property was to be the key. The two men had known each other because Folsom had been the customs collector at the Port of San Francisco during Leidesdorf's lifetime. And Folsom had purchased some property from Leidesdorf before his death. After his death, he recognized an opportunity to expand his holdings. Folsom's goal, in fact, was to see if he could acquire Leidesdorf's entire estate, but most notably his rancho on the American River. When he discovered that Leidesdorf had died without any heirs, he decided to travel to St. Croix in the Virgin Islands. There, he found Anna, William's mother, she was, as the next of kin, she was the person who had inherited William's estate. Now, Folsom convinced Anna to accept $75,000 for the title to her son's property. And before you think, well, she was swindled, at the time, the sum was worth approximately $3 million in today's money. Now, Somehow or other, he wound up obtaining the title, and thanks to the increase in land values after the gold rush, Folsom soon became a wealthy man, at least on paper. He wound up developing the land on the American River, making plans for a town that he called Granite City. And he had the town laid out uh, in 1855. With his newfound wealth, Folsom found that keeping the money or the wealth was just as challenging as acquiring it. Like the Californios, who had received land grants before the war with the U.S., Folsom found himself having to fight to keep his land. 
He had to protect his rancho from squatters, people who would move in and set up a cabin or a tent and just live on the property without permission. And he also had to borrow money to defend his title against constant legal challenges. Now, it could be that all these struggles took a toll on Folsom's health. In 1855, he died suddenly. He was visiting friends in Mission San Jose, which is today's city of Fremont. And ironically, it's named after the man that Leidesdorf had gone into debt to finance. Coincidentally, at the time of his death, Folsom was 38 years old. The same age as William Alexander Leidesdorf was when he died a few years earlier. Like Leidesdorf, Folsom was never able to enjoy the fruits of his land in gold country. For, in fact, he actually won his legal battles a month or so after his death. The U.S. Land Commission, which had been set up to judge cases around ownership of ranchos, confirmed his title to Leidesdorf's Rancho Rio de los Americanos. In a bittersweet attempt to honor the ill-fated army captain, local officials renamed his town that he had laid out from Granite City to Folsom, as it's known today. Despite the Land Commission's ruling, many still question today Folsom's dealings with Leidesdorf's mother. Had he been ethical? Had he taken advantage of her? The opinion is divided. Some historians have come to Folsom's defense. Herb Puffer, the owner of Pacific Western Traders in Folsom, California, one of the first Native American art stores in Northern California, devoted decades to researching Captain Folsom's history. He believed that historians had been too hard on Folsom. He was quoted as saying, quote, $75,000 was a lot of money at that time, and a lot of the estate was up in the air. No one knew if the rancho which included the future town of Folsom, would even be part of the estate settlement. Maybe the accusations surrounding Folsom's dealing with Leidesdorf's heirs came from people who were jealous that they didn't have the courage to take a chance like Folsom. Unquote. Whatever the case may be, struggles over land have always been part of the California frontier. want to thank you for having listened to this episode of the California Frontier Show. If you'd like to support the show, best thing you can do is tell other people about it. Send them a text, send them a link, or just let them know. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, you can also do so by scrolling down on your podcast app to where it says support the show and clicking on that. Or you can do so at the website of the California Frontier Project, where it says, support the show. Thank you so much.